BYUSN, the fallout from conference realignment continues to make waves, but what has more of your attention than that? The BYU football camp storylines. Plus, Gennaro Guilford previews the cornerbacks. How many players does he want to use and who are they? And Jason Shear on how it went down last week with Arizona to the Big 12. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Wednesday, August 9th. I am Jerem Jordan, and we be begin today's show with a conversation that happened yesterday after practice with Gennaro Guilford, which, by the way, we, I've been saying Gennaro forever. We found out it's Gennaro, so join me in pronouncing that correctly. Gennaro Guilford, the cornerbacks coach. It's an interesting group with Eddie Heckard from Weber State, one of the starters, Jacob Robinson now, a full-time cornerback after kind of splitting time between safety and nickel and corner last year. Here's Spencer's conversation with Gennaro Guilford yesterday. Gennaro, it's day two of full pads, and understandably when the pads go on, things just get more physical. Yeah, yeah. Some skirmishes, it's to be expected. It happens every year. It's yeah. football. How do you handle those and process those when you see those break out in practice? Um, you know, I mean, it's, at first it's like, okay, we got some guys who, who, are, um, who are physical, a little bit chippy a little bit, but then it's like, okay, we have to remember to be smart. Um, mentally because we don't want to lose anybody you know offense or or defense and we've been in that situation before where we've had stuff like that and lost a guy to a, you know a broken hand or something or something just crazy like that so um it's very important for us to talk to our guys tell them to be mentally strong especially when, when stuff like that happens we have to protect our family so yeah kalani just said we've got to be stronger mentally but i like the aggression and the intensity it's kind of a funny balance so yeah, what's the appropriate coaching method for something like that? Um, just we know we're we're a physical team. You know that's that's um, we're just physical by nature. Um, just because of the guys that we have, how they work in the weight room, um, how they go about things. So now we just have to complement that with um, the mental mentality as far as just um, just just being smart. So nothing so nothing dumb happens. Your cornerbacks uh, have been and these are their words, enjoying the change of pace on the defensive side. Yeah. Just the physical nature, the speed, the things that Jay Hill has brought to it. Mm -hmm. What have you noticed has been the biggest difference schematically and then how your players have translated over in that regard? Um, you know, they just get the challenge, challenge more. Um, they get to show what they can do, um, you know, and um, there, there will be more uh, situations where the ball, where the ball might, might come out faster because we are doing um, some different things. Um, but at the same time, they, they um, still get to um, use the same techniques that they've used in the, the past, the past years. But they just might use more, more of those tools now than, than they used before. But um, at the end of the day, they, they, they absolutely love it because uh, it's more pressure on them. So. Eddie Heckard is a guy who seems to enjoy that additional pressure and is yeah, yeah, yeah. battle-tested yeah. for sure. Yeah. Along with Eddie, who else do you feel like you can throw out on that island and they'll be okay? Um, Eddie, Eddie, Jacob, um, Cam, Cam Garrett, um, Maury, you know, um, Caleb has Caleb Christensen has been doing a pretty good job as far as the nickel goes. And then we have some uh, – Young guys coming up, you know, we have um, Jaden Dun Dunlap um, coming coming from uh, a JC, and then we have uh, a couple freshmen, Marcus McKenzie, um, Evan Johnson. So we have a pretty deep group. Um, guys are some guys are young, but um, talented. So it should be fun. 
of all of those guys you just mentioned, who has surprised you the most in the first week or so of camp? Um, you know what? Honestly, I would say the young guys and probably Caleb Christensen because my expectations for the vets are, are, are very, very high. You know, my expectations for, for Eddie, Jacob, uh, Cam, and Maury are very, very high. So um, if, if, if they're not playing at that level, we, we got a problem, you know. Um, <laughs> but the young guys, you know, just learning, learning from those guys, the vets have been great taking the, taking the young guys under their wing, um, show, showing them the way um, before practice, after practice, watching film, um, and that's what it takes to be great. So. With the change in the defensive scheme, how does that affect your rotation and, and what you have to do and how many guys you eventually are going to cycle in on a regular basis? Um, the best guys are going to play, you know, and that's, that's just how, how it's going to be. Um, they're going to they gonna play until they can't, you know. Um, of course, we, we have to be smart. I, I get it. You know, if they, if they need to sub, then okay. But um, it, it, won't be, it won't be as much as uh, the previous years, you know. Um, so the best guys need to be in shape because we, we are expecting them to be on the field. So, Ideally, how big will that rotation be? Because I know you mentioned nickel. It's no secret. Jay's going to run nickel. You said we're going to run the nickel at times. But how many guys do you want to be in your rotation when the games start? Um, it's going to be the top three, to be honest with you. And then um, we'll just go from there. I mean, if, 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 a, if a fourth gets in, a fourth, a fourth gets in. If not, if, if those three can take it the, the full game, then they'll just take it the full game, you know. Um, but that's, that's, um, that's how we want it. We want our best guys on the field. Um, and, again, if something happens, then we'll make adjustments, you know. So. Junero Gilford is with us on uh, BYU Sports Nation. I, I want to dive into your relationship with Jay Hill a little bit. He's obviously coaching the safeties. Yeah. You're over the cornerbacks. What's your relationship like with Jay as you push towards season number one in the Big 12? Oh man, it's it's it's, it's great, man. I, I love I love everything he's everything he does, every everything he stands for, the way that he um, approaches the game. You know, um, smart, very very high 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 IQ you know um, just certain things that he that he sees that um I've never really thought about you know um, so it's it's been it's been great just um being around him for the since January however many months that is what's that about eight months you know um but at the same time he's allowing me to be myself he's he's allowing me to coach my guys the way the way that I want to we're on the same page we both want the same thing we, we both want our guys to challenge um make plays, be themselves, and um, try to win some games. Sure. You mentioned, like, you're going to rely heavily on your veterans. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course. But I know that you're a hard charger. You're not going to go easy on them. <laughs> so over the remainder of camp, for a guy like Eddie Heckard, what are the things that you're harping on him about? Yeah. Um, just becoming a, a, a coach on the field. You know what I'm saying? There, there's, no, there's no doubt that he can play. Um, he can make plays. Now, I... I I really want him to take the young guys under his wing, mm -hmm. um, make sure that they're doing doing everything in their power to get to get better every single day. Um, so that's and for for Eddie, Jacob, Cam, uh, Maury, all of them, you know. So for the next two or three weeks, um, they have to get the young guys ready. Um, in the events something happens and you know they they're thrown in there for um, whatever reason it may be, but um, it's gonna be it's gonna be up to them. To, to, to really, really, you know, get them going. We'll finish with this. How many reps, like full-speed reps, 
in practice right now, if you were thrown in pads right now, do you think you could handle? Oh, man, I'll give you probably I'll give you a solid one. <laughs> like one good one, though. I'll give you one, one good one, and I'm tapping out and give me the water, and I need to be stretched, cold tub and everything. But the one is going to be good, though. <laughs> like a full-speed, solid rep. I'll give you one perfect one. After that, I'm, I'm tapping out. I'm, 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 I'm tapping out. Nah, I got I got. I got about, nah, but I'll probably give you about three. Okay, I'll probably give you about three. Okay. So one dynamite rep, oh, yeah, one, but three like, pretty solid. Yeah, like if you told me it was the last play, oh, I'm good. Like for sure, one, one good one. <laughs> if it's a drive, I'm like, whoo, I give you three good ones, and then I'm going to need this up for sure. We'll call you the one drive wonder. Is that hey, cool? Yep, that's all I need. That's all I need. Junero, thanks for the insight. Great to talk with you. Yeah, appreciate you. Thanks to Gennaro Guilford for uh, joining the program. It's going to be interesting to see that uh, group because if the rotation truly is three players, it's a very tight group. You have Eddie Heckard and Jacob Robinson as your starters based on what we've seen so far in practice. And then Camden Garrett is another Weber State transfer at corner. Uh, Maury Bombo is at Tytler Junior College, coached by Tanner Jacobson, former BYU safety as well. He played last year. He was a redshirt, just played in the one game, uh, or I guess he, he played in a couple of games. But, um, yeah, he, he's a guy that uh, played in five, just had the one tackle. He could be asked to do much more as well. And if the rotation truly is three, that is significantly different than what we saw last year with a lot of line changes at times with that entire defense. So we're already seeing some differences in the uh, approach from the defense, but not only that, but with the cornerbacks in who is actually playing. Our question of the day is this. At this point, are you more interested in conference realignment fallout or BYU football Fall camp storylines because, oh, by the way, that's going on too. Uh, weigh in on X, Instagram, and Facebook. Dallin Arnold, definitely fall camp at this point. It's time to put on the blue goggles and start drinking blue Kool-Aid. Hey, that always tastes good throughout uh, the year. Colson on uh, X, the conference realignment talk is starting to get old. It's been five days since anything has happened. Oh, five old days. The football season is getting nearer, and I'm excited to see how the position battles shake out for this season. If there's no quarterback battle or, or major injuries, which no one wants in fall camp, the drama is really who is actually playing, who are the starters, and who are the backups, and that is what we are digging into, and we just did with the cornerbacks a moment ago. Much more coming up throughout fall camp right here on BYU Sports Nation. After further review, aired last night on the BYU TV app. If you missed it, it's on demand. You want to see it again? It's the Big 12 Preview Show. Get that right now on BYUSN.com or the free BYU TV app. Coming up, Jason Shear of Wildcat Authority gives us the inside scoop on how Arizona's move to the Big 12 really went down. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. We're live in Studio B with your day-to-day -day Cougar Sports play-by-play. Jerem Jordan alongside the homie, Spencer Linton. Great chat with Gernaro. We learned his name's Gernaro yesterday, yes. not Gernaro. First and foremost, you've got to get the names right. Got to get the names right, and we have not. So we, we're we here to learn, okay? We're going to do we that. we did yesterday. And that cornerback group being that tight was really interesting. Absolutely. Three only small, only three. Like, they're clearly going to rely more heavily on a core of smaller, like, a smaller number of players. Eddie Jacob and looks like there's a battle between Maury. And Cam Garrett. And Camden. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. It could be very, very interesting. Like, and as you said, in fall camp, that's what it's about. When that's the, the real drama. When there's no quarterback controversy, the other drama is just like, well, who's going to be the guy? Right now it's who like, are, who's, who's gonna going to be the backup quarterback? Like, that's like a big one. Yeah, speaking of drama, a guy who has been – 
in the middle of it as far as Big 12 expansion goes and the Pac-12 schools in Arizona most notably go in uh, realignment with the Pac-12 and moving over to the Big 12 conference is Jason Shear. He's the editor of wildcatauthority.com. Jason, vindication for you on so many fronts. Oh my gosh. People said, no, don't listen to Jason Shear. He doesn't know what he's talking about. You were right. How vindicated do you feel now that Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah are in the Big 12? Yeah, I got to say that that day where they announced it, it felt pretty good for me. <laughs> <laughs> Realignment gets crazy. The fans get crazy. But yeah, when, when that finally happened, it was it was definitely nice. Okay, so um, let, how many Twitter followers did you gain, by the way, last week? Well, I'm one of them, by the way. I, I would say I think it was like six or 7,000. Wow. That's, that's significant growth. <laughs> Uh, right there, yeah. which is also what the incoming schools gained in TV revenue uh, in the future. <laughs> Jason, walk us through sort of the timeline and what you were hearing and seeing and, and how this all went down with Arizona and then ultimately Arizona State and Utah as well. I, I think that, I mean, we could start a year ago, but once Colorado made the decision to move to the Big 12, I think everything really picked up. And basically the school president's um, went to George Kliakoff and said, we need to see whatever numbers you're able to present. And so uh, last week, those numbers were presented finally, and they just weren't good. And then once that happened, schools got very serious about moving. Um, they were all talking to each other. And then on Thursday night, um, Arizona, I know the timeline's a little murky out there, but Arizona basically got permission um, to enter the Big 12, there was a Board of Regents meeting and all that earlier in the week, and it kind of came to a head on Friday morning when they all, were all Utah, Arizona, ASU, were all able to agree at the same time uh, to go to the Big 12. Jason, there was this report that came out late Thursday night or early Friday morning, depending on when you sleep and how you want to look at that, that the remaining nine teams in the Pac-12 were all of a sudden going to rally and they were going to stay together. And this was coming out from some notable national sources. But you kind of dug in and said, no, nah, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, what were you hearing on Friday morning as it pertains to the Pac-9 trying to stick together? And how much validity was there in that push to not allow any other teams or not encourage almost any other teams to leave the conference? Yeah, I mean, I said at the time that had the Pac-12 stayed together on that Friday morning, it would have been one of the most shocking things that I've I've seen play out. Because as of Thursday night, Arizona was gone. They were working on the rollout uh, to join the conference and all that. And the deal hadn't changed. And so the deal wasn't good enough earlier in the week. And I just couldn't figure out why the deal would all of a sudden be good enough to sign for everyone on Friday. And Oregon and Washington from what I understood on Friday morning, we're basically trying to leverage a little bit more money. They were going to the Big Ten. They had already decided it. They were trying to basically leak some stuff and, and use reporters to get some more money. They weren't really able to do it. And then they didn't actually go to the Pac-12 meeting. And no one really found that out until after the meeting was concluded. But Oregon and Washington um, basically called each of the schools that were still in the Pac-12 about 10 minutes before the meeting and said, we're going to the Big Ten we apologize, we have to do this. So it, it, you know, there wasn't a point on Friday morning where I said to myself, oh man, this, the Pac-12 is staying together. It was just kind of weird how it, how it all played out. 
when do you sort of uh, pin down the demise of the league? Because to me, it wasn't last week. It was probably in the years previous when it had opportunities to to add other teams or join even join forces with the Big 12 a couple of years ago. Or uh, let's be honest, like 10 or 20 years ago, there were other teams that could have been added too, and they weren't. BYU, we've been sitting there thinking maybe BYU to the Pac-12 was the best option. In the end, it's the Big 12. And it feels like everything worked out, I guess, for BYU. But w- where and when do you point to sort of the demise of that league? There, there's a lot of things to point to. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, the, the, the first thing that comes to mind is years ago when Texas and Oklahoma announced they were leaving the Big 12, the Pac-12 had an opportunity to basically merge or, or take the, the remaining Big 12 schools and the presidents passed on it. And they said, we don't want to expand. Um, had they decided to expand and, and take those schools, uh, the leftover eight schools, I believe, at the time, we wouldn't be in this you know, situation. The Pac-12 would be financially stable and all that. Um, under this, uh, under Kliakov, the biggest thing that I think the Pac-12 went wrong is when they went to market, they actually pretty much got the Big 12 offer, the 31.7 per school. George Kliakov felt it wasn't enough, that they could get more money. The Big 12 basically said, you know, we're cool with that deal. They went to market way earlier than anyone expected. They signed that deal before the Pac-12, and then the Pac-12 was out of luck because ESPN didn't want to spend more money for the Pac-12. The other networks were Big Ten involved in that stuff. And so basically the Pac-12 misplayed or, or Kliakov misplayed the entire situation and then the money that he thought would be there wasn't there. He asked for $40 million at school, and, and, and it wasn't happening. So had he signed the deal for $31.7, uh, it, again, the Pac-12 wouldn't be in this situation. Jason Shear is the editor of WildcatAuthority.com. He is on BYU Sports Nation. He has been just absolutely ingrained in the Pac-12, Big 12 realignment madness. And madness is probably putting it lightly, Jason. But... Just from your personal standpoint, especially going back to just before Colorado moved, and you had been in on that. It wasn't just Arizona. Like, you had been involved with the whole, like, idea that somebody from the Pac-12, the Four Corner Schools, could break away if this deal doesn't come together fast enough. But they're in their, quote-unquote, ivory tower pointing fingers at you in the great and spacious building of the Pac-12 that is no longer. And here you are saying, uh, this is still going to happen. So... When did you when did you first know that somebody 100% was going to break away and that you were actually going to be right? Uh, Colorado was the worst kept secret in realignment. <laughs> I mean, they, they were going. I, and that's why it was really surprising when Kliakov went there on, on Football Media Day and was like, they're all sticking together because everybody knew Colorado was gone. I would say that Colorado had been talking to other schools in the conference for weeks. So once, you know, it was just a matter of when Colorado was announcing it. I'm not, I'm actually not sure there was a number that could have kept Colorado in the conference. Like they were pretty steadfast. And then when that initial, when when that meeting actually happened after Colorado left and I heard that day what the numbers were and and it wasn't even the numbers. It was, it was a hundred percent streaming. Apple would not guarantee any linear aspect of it. And once I found that out, uh, it was I knew it was pretty much over because the Arizona school president was on record as saying the most streaming he would take would be 50%. Mm. He could probably live with that. And this was 100%. And it just, it wasn't going to happen. But Colorado, 
I mean, they, they've been going for a while. It was just a matter of how and when they were going to announce it. I know Colorado played games for the last 12 years in the Pac-12, but I'm not sure they went there. Uh, they've been sort of Big 12 vibes for a long time, right? And now Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, headed to the Big 12. How is this move being perceived by Arizona fans? Certainly in basketball, it's going to be wild. I think Arizona fans, to, to be honest, are taking it better than Utah and ASU fans. Uh, I, I think it's a great cultural fit with the conference. And at the end of the day, you know, Tucson is a very different place. The U of A is a very different place than the other schools in the conference because this is a basketball town. And when you look at the Big 12 for basketball and some of the games that Arizona is going to be playing now, I mean, it's it's crazy. It's the best basketball conference in the nation. And so Arizona fans are are pretty pumped. And there's a long history of, of not getting along well with, with the Pac-12 and in recent memory. So, you know, fans are excited. It's different. I, I think that a lot of people are skeptical about change and, and some people don't deal well with change. But for the most part, I, I think Arizona fans that I've come across are beating the move with a lot of excitement. Jason, I'm going to ask you to do your best and not let some of this rivalry bleed into uh, the question that I'm about to ask you because Arizona and Arizona State has a lot of vitriol, just like BYU and Utah. But Jeremy and I sit here in Studio B and around BYU facilities, and we just wonder, what, what the heck's going on at Arizona State? Why was there so much trepidation and hesitancy for Arizona State when the writing was clearly on the wall that the Pac-12 was a dead end to not just happily accept the invite to the Big 12, and then when you get in the Big 12, you're still kind of just grovelly about it, and your athletic director says, well, I'm not going to Morgantown. I'm sending somebody else. He has apologized this morning, by the way. Okay, oh, so an apology now. What? So now we're good. Can, can you explain <laughs> to me why? Like, what's going on at Arizona State that has made them, to quote another writer, be dragged across the finish line to join the Big 12? I, I think the biggest issue is that people have to realize the, the school president, Michael Crow. Um, athletics are not a major priority for him. And this is a guy that stood by the side of Larry Scott to the bitter end, yeah. like supported Larry Scott, became close friends with Larry Scott, was very vocal on the promise of the Pac-12 years ago. So the Pac-12 was going to be ahead of everyone. And so in order for him to make the move to the Big 12, it was basically for him admitting that he had been wrong. Mm. And so there was a lot of pride there. And he was there to the better end now, too. Arizona and Utah were going to the Big 12 before ASU. It didn't take until late Thursday, early Friday morning, where he finally made the move. He started thinking about it earlier that week. But he, he wanted to go. Like, the only reason Arizona went to that Pac-12 meeting on Friday morning is because Michael Crow wanted them to. Like, give it one last hope. So I think a, a lot of it is pride the fact that it didn't end up the way that he originally had said. And um, he's just not an athletics guy. I mean, it's just he, athletics just aren't a priority to him. And, and it kind of has shown in the last week or so. What power did the Board of Regents have relative to perhaps Arizona wanting to go by itself to the Big 12 without Arizona State? Or was it always going to be both in the same league? It's, it's tough to say because the Arizona president is on record as saying before that they could go without ASU, that he didn't want to go without ASU. They wanted to go together, but if it came to it, they could make the move. And then last week, it you know the narrative was they're going together no matter what. I believe, based on what I've heard, that if it came down to it and ASU absolutely refused to go, 
Arizona would have gone by itself. Uh, I don't know how likely that is. I, I think that both schools have kind of come to an understanding that they were moving together. But if push came to shove, I, I absolutely believe that that Arizona could have gone alone. Jason, uh, Arizona's athletic director and president have, have both made mention uh, of the renewed rivalry now, a uh, potential renewed rivalry with the likes of BYU. And so, uh, again, it's not a true rivalry, but BYU and Arizona definitely do have some history and a past. So how would you explain or define the rivalry relationship between BYU and Arizona and that relationship moving forward into the Big 12? I think it's a natural football rivalry. I really do. I mean, there, there's been, you know, I remember the game a, a couple of years ago, Jed Fish's first game in, in Vegas where BYU won. Uh, I still remember my, my wife and I went to the Vegas Bowl, which was one of the, the those fun games, you know, atmospheres in Vegas that, that I've been to. And and to me, uh, the, the way that BYU fans travel and, 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 you know, their fan base and all that, it, it, to me, it's, it's a natural rivalry. Like, I, I don't know how they're going to do divisions in the Big 12 or how they're going to break that up, uh, but I'd like to see Arizona and BYU play because there's a, there, there really is uh, a history between the two schools. Jason, great to talk with you. Uh, well done on your part uh, to <laughs> make it and uh, traverse through all of this realignment craziness. Uh, it, it's been fun. It's been maddening for sure, but uh, hopefully you get some some time off like is it is it your vacation week he's now he's in fall camp man <laughs> yeah it's in fall, it's fall camp there's no vacation there's no vacation <laughs> it's, over. it's true it's 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 not <laughs> happening uh but hopefully with no realignment this week it feels a little less stressful we appreciate the time and joining BYU Sports Nation thanks for having me I appreciate it and you got a Jason Shear editor of wildcatauthority.com if you want more of his material Head to that website. Also, we just followed him on Twitter. He's yeah. got apparently six to seven thousand new Twitter followers after he was he was on it. Correct reports and he was the only like local guy that was really putting out anything that felt like it mattered um, to any of the, the parties involved. So good information from him. And yeah, Arizona Arizona made more sense than Arizona State and in, in Utah in this equation. I think that they were clearly and it sounds like from what he was saying the fourteenth team. Like yes, if the league didn't go to fifteen sixteen. They were going to bring in Arizona with Colorado, and that was going to be the league. And Arizona's president did join the meeting on Friday morning as a favor primarily to Michael Crow of Arizona State. And he later said, like, we thought that there was some real movement and a real chance that maybe there was going to be something last minute, and we were going to kind of rally together and, and sign a grant of rights. And I'm speaking of Arizona's athletic director, sorry, president, but – when Oregon and Washington called 10 minutes before the meeting, it's like, okay, well, that's not happening. And then they don't even show up. And we, when we say a meeting, I'm assuming it's like on Zoom. Like, sure, yeah. They just don't even show up. You're like, hey, where are they? They're going to the Big Ten. Wow. They just messaged us. Crazy. Hey, Saturday, check out the number 13 women's soccer team in the country. BYU hosting Idaho State in an exhibition. Trevor Maddox thinks BYU should not sleep on Idaho State. 9 Eastern on BYU TV and ESPN+. Up next, our friend Brett McMurphy is back at it. And we're asking now because of his report, is there a possibility that BYU could play in a bowl game against a conference opponent? Would we like that? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Follow BYU Sports Nation on social media. 
on Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram. Welcome back to Studio B. I am Spencer. He is Jerem. Opened up the show with some fantastic interviews. General Guilford. We just talked to Jason Shear of WildcatAuthority.com. Just Jace. That's all we do now. Apparently. Yeah. Uh, he gave us some great insight. If you missed either of those interviews, again, those are always on demand. For now, let's rise and shout and bring on what's trending. What's Trending, presented by Feastbox, donating 10% of every order to Full of Hope, a charitable organization that feeds hungry families. Brett McMurphy of the Action Network tweeted on Pac-12 bowl games, obviously seeking new tie-ins because the Pac-12, we believe, will be no longer. I mean, there's no official I, word, I but... That. but Still exists at the moment. <laughs> the, the writing is Not on the long. wall Not for long. sure. Yeah. McMurphy says there's potential for schools from the same conference because there are only now four major conferences, if the Pac-12 goes away, uh, to play in bowl games if they didn't play in regular seasons. So, like, the idea of playing a conference mate that you didn't play in the regular season, mm -hmm. but if they're available and bowl eligible, you could play them in a bowl game. Jeremy, would you be okay with BYU taking on a Big 12 foe that they didn't see in the regular season in the postseason. Would I be okay with it? Yeah, I'd be okay uh, with it. Ideally, no. It's just fun to play someone from a different conference that you don't normally play, and, and it's an exhibition game of sorts anyways. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens with that because um, regardless of whether the Pac-12 still exists, it's not a major conference anymore. It is a, uh, it's going to be a group of six conference, uh, which we've never said ever, but here we are. It, like this year, if BYU played Baylor, Baylor's unique because we played them the last two years. But if BYU played UCF this year, it's like, no, well, played them in 2020. If BYU played, who are the others? Uh, Kansas State this year. I'm interested by that, but we know that Kansas State is probably on the schedule next year. But who knows? Because we don't know about pods. Are they going to create divisions? I'm okay with that. I'm not like anti that idea, but I'm not super pro that idea either. I, I would love to play someone from another league. Yes. Now, riddle me this. Would you rather do that or a, a group of five or six team? I would, I would probably rather play a group of five team in that regard. Just for variety? Yes, variety and, frankly, like maybe your More chances winnable? of winning that bowl game like become better. I know that there are some good group yes. of five teams. Like, I'm not saying that there aren't some... We're not that crazy okay. removed from independence. Okay? <laughs> some teams that are still really good in the group of five. Like the Boise States and the Memphises and, uh, frankly, the San Diego State. Like, yeah, yes. Those teams are out there, and the, they can still play. Like Louisiana's and, emerged. And they'll be motivated to beat a power five team. And then team. if you lose, you just, we didn't care. Remember? You just play that card. <laughs> You're protected by that. B5. We're protected by B4, that. B4, we don't care. So, but I, for variety's sake, I think I would probably rather take on a group of five team than play another Big 12 team in a bowl game. Like, that feels, it feels a little weird to me. Winning a bowl game matters. We yes. feel very different about a season depending on that. Also, I would argue this, and we'll dig into this more later. I, right now, I think I feel like I'm okay not playing a power five, power four? Is that what we're going to call it? Power four team in non-conference play. Because if you do that, you ensure you only need three wins to get to a bowl game every year. And, yes, I want the standard to be raised for BYU, 
But what I don't want to do was what I think Utah is foolishly doing this year. They're playing two P5s in non-conference. Florida and They're Baylor. They're hosting Florida and going to Baylor. Like, are you trying to go 7-5? and five? Like, what, what in the world? No, the, the, that is too much. Even for Utah, who has won a, uh, the Pac-12 the last two years, they've been tremendous. That's too much for most teams to go two P5s in non-con. Blaine Fowler said this before, and I was like, what? Are you nuts to not play a Power 5 team? I wanted that to be Utah most of the time. But now that Utah is going to be a league game, I'm like, I'm not that in- as interested in random Virginia Tech, Miami, whatever. Like, are those games fun? Yes. Are those opportunities are. cool? One million percent. But it's cooler to ensure that you make a bowl game that year. Like, th- this year, I'd be just fine if BYU didn't go at Arkansas. Because guess what? The nine straight Power 5 games BYU's never done in the Big 12 would be just fine with me. That's super tough. Now, if the, if the game is at home, then that yes, but you're going to have to do... But you have to give and take. Yes. However, if it's a neutral in Vegas with someone, that's interesting. I mean, there are Mississippi. Let's take Mississippi for example. Ole Miss is on a home and road future, with Ole Miss. future BYU schedule. I believe starting one. in 2028 or 2029. Okay. I take it one year at a time. So man. it's still about five or six years away. But like that is fun. That's like an a intriguing home one. And road the with Grove a, with an SEC. SEC team. No way, Lane Kiffin's still there. Especially the year that <laughs> Ole Miss has to visit Provo. Because now maybe you can open the season with three straight home games, right? You can host yes. a group of five team, uh, an FCS team, and then you host Ole Miss. And now you've got three straight home games yes. to begin before you have to open up conference play. That's intri- Don't get me wrong. I'm intrigued by it. I'm just thinking, like, what is best for BYU football? I think it's that BYU doesn't need a Power Five in the non-con. Yeah. Um, and you're talking because- about just getting to a sixth win. Right? Yes. Just get, like, like minimum standard for success in AC. Because it doesn't impact your conference championship hopes at all. Welcome to that thought. Right? Yep. Like, that's a, that's new, a thing new thing for BYU. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Like, but if you're 3-0 and out of the gate, hey, do we want to test ourselves? It's like, no, you're going to play nine Power 5 games in the Big 12. Like, why do you need a 10th? Um, but I get why that might still exist. I, I understand. Yeah, And I would be surprised if BYU does not. BYU is an aggressive scheduler, as I have talked about for years, for better or worse. Um, and, and most of the time, it's been for better. It's, it's been a fun situation. The fans rally around that. It's good. It sells tickets. It's interesting on TV in a good slot. But for the sake of Brigham Young football in the first couple of years, maybe there's a point where BYU gets to, it's like, no, we can handle it and we win eight wins. And Utah's uh, been a power five team for 12 years, so they probably feel like they, they can, can handle it better. Yes, but I'm telling you, that's tough. They're not going to Florida and Baylor on top of nine conference games in a Pac-12 finale that is supposed to be like one of the better overall conference slates that they've had in the last decade. That's rough. There's a lot. Like that Pac-12 was really good last year, and For as much suppo- as everyone's crapped on them, they were good league last year. Better this year. There you go. With all of the quarterbacks like, back, like USC is actually gonna do something this year. And there are other five there. teams in the Pac-12 ranked in the preseason top 25. They're good. No, it's good. It's a it's, good conference. It's good. Uh, they're, they're finale That's why tour. I got plucked. They didn't pluck so crappy weird. teams. They plucked good teams. <laughs> Come on now. Okay, topic two. Uh, BYU football had practice number seven yesterday, number two in full pads. We saw about the last 30 minutes. What stood out to you? Oh, the aggression and energy. Yeah, there were some skirmishes, and it happens. It's football. It's going to happen every year, but 
typically in years past, I think I've seen like, okay, there was a little fight breakout here. And then like, it's a few days later and we hear about one, but there were multiple in the same practice. And there were punches thrown. Yes. Multiple punches. So it's like, oh, okay. Where it was like, oh. Why, why are you punching someone with a helmet? Sure, on? That, yeah. That's always a suspect decision. It is. It's a fine Sus. line that the coaches have to walk. And I yeah. talked to Gennaro Guilford about that. Mm -hmm. Like, how do you yep. adequately coach that? Like, because you want some of that intensity and that fire. But as Kalani Satake said, we just have to be mentally tougher. In fact, here's the full quote from Coach Satake. Yeah, good to see, but not the punches. I mean, I don't mind the intensity. I tell the guys that uh, football is violent and it's physical, but uh, we have to be tougher mentally and not throw punches, not cost the team. Uh, and there's still some new guys that aren't used to what we're, do we're doing, but uh, the veteran guys know, you know. But I, I think uh, for the most part, competition is really nice. Where do you draw the line? Is it pushing? Like, Put, like you to can me, pushing push and shoving is fine. It's fine. And take out of your aggression in the flow of a play. But also, I'm not like 6'3", 320, and uh, like <laughs> built to push people around. I, I, like what we do is talk, you know, it's different. Um, verbal jabs. Uh, but yeah, in, in, in there, I'm okay, yeah, I'm okay with some of that. But it was a new guy that did it. It wasn't like one of the uh, super cultural impactors. Yeah. Um, and it was like on the third string guys. So it's not a big deal. Like, it wasn't Malik Moore going at Isaac Rex. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, the, the ones and the twos, it, it was with the threes. They're, still, they're fighting for position. They're trying to get some playing time. Maybe something's going on at home. you got to understand the humanity of the, the football yes. player, too. Like, that's okay. It's okay. No one got hurt. No one, no one it, like, if you, Jared Kelnick of the Mariners, like, broke his foot in frustration, kicking, like, a, a Gatorade jug. And he's out like for two months. Which it's is like, just why? okay, now that's stupid. Why? That now you're dumb. making a stupid decision. No, that did not happen. This is a young, emotional yes. player that just lashed out a little bit. And frankly, I thought the coaches and the team did a good job of like separating it rather quickly. Atu Naisamahe was the one defensively that kind of broke it up. And again, I don't want to make a big deal about no, it. It wasn't that big it a deal. Just, it's football. We can talk about other But that's, that's what, I mean, that was the initial standout. You already brought up my second point, which is Isaac Rex. Isaac yeah, Rex. the play of the the the, the practice, the period, the session. Yeah. I think Isaac Rex is going to have a massive year. I really do. I think he's fully back. And yes, and I, at times I feel like he was maybe forgotten. Maybe A Rod was like, I know what he's going through physically, and I'm not going to put him in a position to not be able to make that play because I know what he can or can't do in this moment. Now this feels like a 40 catch, eight touchdown plus. Maybe 500 Maybe four yards. Four to 500 like yards of receiving type John Mackey, semifinalist award Isaac. kind of year, yes. hopefully. Yeah. It's, it's, I feel like Isaac is due yeah. for – it feels inevitable to me. Like, just watching him He's and – too good not to yes. be more. Like, his freshman year, obviously, BYU's playing a bunch of group of fives. They're doing their best. They're dominating. He has 12 touchdowns. It was awesome. More Isaac Rex. He had this spectacular touchdown catch in the corner, like a fade – Kind of mossed it. It was great. Other stuff that stuck out. Parker Kingston ran with the ones a little bit. Parker Kingston might be that number six guy, right? Among might there's be in the, the catch right there. That's by the Isaac. catch. That's the catch. There you go. Talmadge Gunther had a really nice contest, contested touchdown catch. Um, Will Farron was the field goal kicker. He looks like the place kicker. He made both kicks. Um, Matthias uh, Dunn kicked both PATs, by the way. Yes, word has it that Will has been more accurate overall. Through the first week of camp. Take that for what it's worth. Yes, I like it. You need somebody. Let's go.
Um, and even then, in game one, you can switch the kicker and then make a game winner. We saw that in 2016. <laughs> like, who knows, right? Who knows? And then Ryder, okay, we don't get to see every second of every practice, okay? So we're telling you just from what we've been able to see. Um, Ryder Burton comes in and makes plays. That's what I'm seeing right now. Ryder Burton makes plays. He's from Springville, early enrollee. He was here, here in winter. He's got the swagoo, as Brian Logan He's would say. He's super raw, Jerem, but his confidence level yes. is through the roof, and Aaron Roderick loves yes. him. Yes, threw a touchdown to JoJo Phillips, uh, who went to Sierra Canyon, played a little basketball with uh, Brownie James. And then there was a broken play where Ryder threw it out to LJ Martin, and I was like, that's overthrown. And it, it was right in the breadbasket for LJ. Yeah. Makes a grab. LJ Martin looks like... A junior, by the way. Yeah, he looks like he's ready to play he's Division one to, football right now. I don't know how much LJ's going to play this year, um, but he, he looks good. Yes. Again, this is limited reps. Yeah. Don't want to overblow something. Wait, we do. That's what we're doing with this segment. But I'm ex- I was like, is that a taste of the future right there? Ryder Burton, LJ Martin, like in three years? Could be. I don't know. The BYU's coaching staff expects Ryder Burton to battle for the starting quarterback position as early as next year. That's from multiple coaches. Yeah. And Aaron Roderick is not one to typically use flowery language and jump the gun. No, he doesn't. No, he just, I'm telling you, like, that's, he expects Ryder with another full year in the system to compete for the starting position next year. And that includes probably a Power 5 transfer in next year. I I would expect. That's that's what happens. Uh, Fun fact about that play to LJ Martin, by the way, the defense was was freaking out because they're like, no, 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 that should have been a sack. That should have been a sack. And so they whistled it, and they called it back as a sack. And Justin Enna was like, yeah, yeah, see? See, that's not – there's no big play. The defense knows what they did. <laughs> so – When they can't sack the quarterback. They can't sack him. But like, they got a hand on him, and it's like there's like this weird middle ground. Of like, is that, is that a sack, or is that an actual big play? It's awkward. Yeah. Let's just get to the games, which yes, are in please. how many days? You can actually sack the quarterback. Hit it. Countdown to the Bearcats. 24 days. 24 days away. Sam Houston State, who, by the way, is the smallest team in college football overall roster. They're all 5'10 and under. (laughs) That's not what you mean by that. This weight, height, just on average, their team is the smallest team. They are FCS to FBS. In Division I college football. They're they're a weird deal because they're Sam Houston. And they're Bearcats with a K. But they got some ballers, man. But they were, I mean, FCS power, like, just a few years back. Yeah, spring 21, they won the FCS title. So, Pretty cool. there you go. Up next, should BYU fans just straight up embrace late-night kickoffs, largely based on the stats that we've talked about on if this show? If you haven't yet, get, get over it. it join, join the late-night throng, people. Come on. It means good things for BYU. More on that next on BYU Sports Nation. Bring it in. BYU Sports Nation is sponsored by Beastbox Global Grill, a unique dining experience featuring Texas, Hawaiian, and Korean meats. Time to feast. This is BYU Sports Nation, and we are live in Studio B alongside Jerem Jordan. I'm Spencer Linton. Let's roll out today's headlines. Ball camp practice seven happened yesterday. Kalani Sitake was asked by Mitch Harper of KSLSports.com about Utah joining the Big 12 next season. No, I, I mean, I, I'm really excited. I, I, uh, you know, I think the conference has gotten a, a lot stronger and I'm uh, excited that they're going to be on our, our schedule uh, consistently, you know. And, uh, so I'm looking forward to it. And, and uh, yeah, I, I think uh, those schools that have joined, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. 
Yes, it will be. Also, Aiden Robbins was one of 75 running backs on the Doak Walker Award watch list for the top running back, which Luke Staley won in 2001. Baylor Athletic Director Mac Rhodes made an appearance on the 365 Sports Podcast yesterday and confirmed that all 16 Big 12 teams will receive full and equal shares of the conference's media rights deal revenue starting in the 2024 season. Then, Justin Williams of The Athletic received a statement from the Big 12 regarding this and said, the, the league said, quote, the two-year revenue distribution phase-ins for BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF remain unchanged by the Big 12's expansion to 16 so, members. So it's going to be half next year then? Well, it's it's a it's a, a little under 20 the next two years. Right. So Utah, Which, Arizona, That's Arizona, what we State, thought Colorado, until Gates. Mac Rhodes said this. Yeah, so I don't know what he's saying because the league gave that statement. They, Justin Williams put that out. So we're, we're trusting this. Perhaps he meant 2025? Well, 25, everybody's, it's just everybody's in. Even. It's, the question is about next season. This season, BYU's is here under 20. Yes. And then next year is in question. But it sounds like it's going to be a here under The 20. same, a here under 20. Which is what Tom Holmo told us. Like, yes. when we get in, it's going to be two years of essentially half-ish yes. what the league Which gets. Is significantly more than BYU's Still getting more. is what we were told. And then full in 2025. Okay, so let's just go back to what uh, we initially thought. So just uh, rescind the <laughs> macro quote. BYU men's basketball will face future Big 12 homie Arizona State on Thanksgiving Day in the Vegas Showdown at the Mandalay Bay at midnight Eastern on ESPN2 and BYU Radio. We will all be asleep uh, from all the turkey. We will wake up and then we will watch then uh, either Vanderbilt or NC State the next day. BYU leads the series 25-19 with ASU. Should be 26-18. Charles Abuo for life. I feel you, dude. BYU women's soccer and the preseason all Big 12 teams have a little bit of notoriety this morning. Hey! Brecken Mazingo, Jamie Shepard, and Leveni Vaca all named to the all-conference preseason team. BYU and TCU tied having the most players on the preseason team with three each. The Big 12 preseason media poll will be released tomorrow. Will BYU or TCU be picked to finish first? Cougars rake in the awards at the Utah uh, Women's Utah Open, led by Leela Naliai winning uh, the whole thing, followed by Cougar assistant coach Leah Garner in second, Alicia May Mateo in third. Well done, Cougars. It's a golf school. Nadia Gomes, or if you're speaking Portuguese, Gomsh. Thank you. Was named the USLW League Player of the Year. Hey, how about that? The Viseu Portugal native was unstoppable during the regular and postseason, scoring 16 goals, recording eight assists for her team. Wow. Those are today's headlines. Let's opinionate in the whip. Cougar Whip Round presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Uh, after a lot of talk about the Big 12 being a truck stop conference, uh, our co-worker Hemahe Muli, producer here, put together a thread of Big 12 coaches and semi-trucks. <laughs> Let's take a look. Here's Kalani Satake as the Hawaiian punch it truck. It says Hawaiian punch. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there's Oklahoma State head coach Mike Gundy as uh, kind of this <laughs> truck with the, the flow the, the, the and the Tesla. And the whole thing. That's awesome. And then uh, Dana Holgerson. <laughs> kind of looks like a, a, a bunked up mater. It's a, uh, yeah, what do you call that? It's a convertible I semi. I don't even know, dude. It's a convertible semi. And then last semi. but not least, our boy, uh, Steve Tarkeesian. Yes. Just to be like a <laughs> truck. There are many, there are 14 in all. Go look at this from Emma on uh, X. Uh, Sark going X back to his roots. On X, yeah, pretty funny. He's so creative. Is Emma is the best. He produces those shows way better than I ever did. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Look at that. 
Friend of the program, Big Game Boomer, has ranked BYU as the 25th scariest stadium to play in at night. Okay, with that in mind. The stadium itself? If you haven't already, apparently. Not the, not the fans? If you haven't already, should BYU fans embrace the 10, 15 p.m. Eastern kick times? I need to look up the numbers I've tweeted, but it's something like 90% win rate after 6 p.m. and after since 2019. We're like, going to answer BYU for you. is yes. awesome. You have to embrace uh, the late night games if you haven't already. NFL, yeah. NFL Hard Knocks covering the Jets this year, of course. The first episode came out last night. What was your favorite Zach Wilson moment? Probably him giving Aaron Rodgers trash about not having the sleeves, the sleeves yeah. tucked under his pads, <laughs> like the elastic sleeves. Zach Wilson said, hey, what would it take for me to get you to wear elastic sleeves? And Aaron Rodgers says, you don't have enough. <laughs> the loose that's one of the $23 million signing the bonus from the draft. will remain for Aaron no. Rodgers. So fun to watch that tutelage happening as well. All right, up next, which one of you has earned the right as our elite voice of the day. Find out next on BYU Sports Station. You want more fall camp or do you want more realignment stuff? This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Welcome back with our question of the day. At this point, are you more interested in conference realignment fallout or actual BYU football training camp storylines? True Blue answers on X. He says, hey. I'd rather follow what is than what ifs. So he wants camp news. Okay. Reality? <laughs> so outside the games, nothing is real. Okay? Our elite voice of the day presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated comes from Bradley Perkins on Facebook who says, Camp. Mm. The realignment happened. Now let's focus on having some fun in the Big 12 before our nerdy little brother shows up. <laughs> what? <laughs> My, who could you be referencing, Bradley? What? Today's Rise and Shout Out presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. How about Brecken Mozingo, Jamie Shepard, Levenny Vaca getting on the Big 12 preseason all-conference team. That's pretty cool. They're going to finish on that, too. All right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. BYU going to be picked to win it? We'll find out tomorrow. Maybe. Our thanks to today's guests, Gennaro Guilford and Jason Shear. All right, Dennis. For Jerem, I'm Spencer. Shout out to Caleb Varner. Nice. We'll see you tomorrow. Go Kooks. He trans.